the Thoughtful Gamer Podcast, episode number 104. We're back! It's been like six months since we've done a podcast episode. Uh, so for those who are big fans of the podcast, I apologize. But we are back because we just went to PAX Unplugged. Uh, as always, my name is Mark. Today, I have with me Lindsay and Ben. Hello, hello. Hello. And we're back from Philadelphia where we had a delightful time at PAX Unplugged. I think for me, this was my most relaxing PAX of all time. I know what general vibes you got out of this one, but that was mine. Yeah, I feel like normally we don't we don't see you as much, but this time it was a lot of just playing games from the actual you know game library free play, and that is uh, exactly what I like doing. Yeah, I I think this was the first year that I didn't walk around the expo hall at all, other than just the free play area. That's, I, uh, that's interesting. You didn't explore any of it. No, I mean I didn't even like I I just skipped all Friday morning, and you know Orion and I showed up like what mid-afternoon maybe uh maybe even later on friday friday evening um and we just got straight to playing games yeah for me as a as a member of the media i get a fair number of emails although it seems to be diminishing so what happens is once you get a media badge they send that information out to the exhibitors in the expo hall and so you'll, in the weeks before, get a number of emails saying, hey, check us out, or here's how to schedule an interview. And I've done that in the past. I've even, I think the first packs Unplugged, I brought camera stuff and did some video, which is very difficult to do with the sound, basically, in the expo hall. And sometimes, some PAXs, I'll schedule like an entire day of meetings of just talking to people, trying to get review copies. This time I scheduled four meetings total of games that looked particularly interesting uh, or publishers that I enjoy talking to partially because I didn't want to be stressed and partially because I think I'm shifting towards not trying or not even caring about what's new and shiny in the world of board games. I think I've determined that 2023 is going to be the year of the thoughtful gamer not caring about the new. As much as, as little as I don't care about it now, it's going to be even less so. So I didn't <laughs> schedule much and it was, it was very refreshing and I'm still going to write about packs and obviously we're doing this about packs, but I didn't feel like I needed to schedule that many interviews, which was nice because one of the more awkward things about conventions is like figuring out what games you actually want to review and then asking for review copies and all that. And I got a couple of review copies, but I've got plenty of games here to both play for the first time and also to explore. So I'm not putting any pressure on myself and uh, had a great time. I don't think we played as many games as we have in the past, but I came out of it with much more enjoyment, I think, just general enjoyment. Whereas in past years, it was more of a stressed enjoyment, which are different feelings. They're both good. Uh, I kind of like this approach this year. I'm trying yeah. to come up with a pun about not paxing as much in. I couldn't think of a way to say it organically. 
Well, you kind of did. <laughs> Let's start by talking about a couple of the games, at the very least, I saw on the Expo Hall floor. I did spend Friday morning-ish getting through the Expo Hall. I ended up seeing most of it. It was it was nice to see it at full force again after last year's kind of gimped Expo Hall that was a little sad and empty. It was nice to see it actually take a couple hours to walk through and see everything. But I didn't stop it that much. There are a couple that were interesting. Let's start with Tether, which Lindsay and I actually played in full, which is a game about being on a spacewalk and attempting to, I don't know, return to your ship? I didn't get that far. It's like a general spacewalk thing. I don't know how good it is. It was interesting. You're basically, there there are cards... The theme doesn't matter at all, actually. There are cards, and on opposite corners of the cards, there are the a number and then the reverse of that number. So it, it'll be 52 and 25. And one person is trying to arrange the cards vertically in sequential order, and the other person is trying to arrange cards horizontally in sequential order. And it works out that those will naturally fit into a grid that is always sequential. So if it's sequential for you, it will be sequential for the other person, which was clever, but I don't know how compelling. I I enjoyed it in my first game, but I don't know how compelling it would be upon multiple plays. What did you think, Lindsay? Yeah, that was my same thought was that I actually really enjoyed it. And I think I would enjoy it like the first three times that I played. But I think then beyond then, I, I don't, you know, we talked about this. I don't think you're making enough decisions to really make it interesting or to, you know, form some sort of strategy. It just feels like you play it a couple of times. It's fun. But then at that point, you've already mastered how to play the game, which seems a little, you know, too easy to get hold of. Yeah. I Looking back, I don't think I actually made any decisions in that game. It's a game about trying to sort through the visual information of what numbers you could potentially play and what numbers are available to you in hand and in the kind of general draw pile. And then just finding numbers when they're available, uh, which is just made more complex by the fact that each card contains two numbers. Like if each card had one number in this sort of game, it would be absolutely trivial. I think the only interesting part is just the complexity, the visual complexity of finding the numbers which you know it doesn't necessarily make for a good game there are some choices that you make like you don't have to play a card because if you play it it'll actually score your opponent more points because it's adding more to their you know they're scoring vertically and you're scoring horizontally it would help them more than it would actually help you so i mean there definitely are some decisions but but i don't think that's a decision it's not actually a decision right but that's like there's no choice there. There's no thought behind that. You just recognize it. Oh, I recognize that this will immediately. It's not like this could potentially give my opponent points or this runs the risk of giving my opponent points. It's literally, if I do this, my opponent gets a point and I do not. Therefore, I will not do it. That's not a real decision. That's fair. I think this could be a good game for like kids or children um, to kind of learn like a sense of strategy, how to, I don't know, strategy-ish, like, I think they would find it interesting on like matching the numbers up and learning how to count, maybe. I think you're 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 trying to give this game too much credit. Because the more I talk about it, the less I like it. 
<laughs> the love you're tethered to. I don't think there's anything there. <laughs> mm, quite true. Yeah, I like. I don't. I didn't dislike it. We're gonna get to a game later on in the the journey that well, I definitely a worse game we played. Would yeah. not play again. This I like would play again if I'm not another sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just like an okay game. Yeah. In fact, both games we disliked or I disliked involved card grids, which is very disappointing because I'm usually a big grid advocate, but you got to use the grids correctly. The person working in solar, I definitely am a fan of grids. <laughs> a game I wanted to highlight that I don't think either of you played, but I got to play a demo of is called Fit to Print. It is the new game from Peter McPherson who made Tiny Towns. And if you've follow the thoughtful gamer you know i'm a big tiny towns fan and in fact i interviewed him for this very podcast this is his next game it is very strongly inspired by galaxy trucker which is also a big bonus but it is much more gentle and simpler than galaxy trucker and the theme is that you are assembling a newspaper um like the the graphic assemblage of the front page of a newspaper uh, it does have anthropomorphized woodland creatures, which I I do have to say, as an aside, that I certainly hope that we've reached peak anthropomorphized woodland creature in board gaming, because I saw so many games, just walking around, so many games that have woodland creatures. Like, we know that Root and Everdell sold very well. That doesn't mean that woodland creatures are your ticket to success. That said, fit to print is actually pretty fun. Uh, so just like Galaxy Trucker, you've got a big old pile of stuff in the middle. It's real time. You're picking things up. You are either committing to using those things or you're placing them back in the middle face up. One of the differences is that you cannot actually start assembling your newspaper until you commit to do so and stop gathering new items. So you have like a desk, a little wooden desk that you're placing the pieces on. And at a certain point, you tr you commit that I'm not getting any more new pieces, but I'm going to start assembling the actual front page. And so you could over or under gather articles and such and mess up your score that way. You're trying to optimize not having much blank space. And then you're trying to have different aspects of the paper, either images, articles, or advertisements arranged according to certain rules. Basically, you can't have two like things next to each other. Uh, and then like advertisements don't do anything for you except that if you have the least amount of revenue at the end of the game through advertisements, you automatically lose. Otherwise, you're trying to combo the pictures, which give you bonuses for certain types of articles and getting lots of articles out and meeting certain scoring criteria. It's fairly, fairly simple, uh, but I had a good time and it looks nice. Um, you go through three rounds, just like Galaxy Trucker, where the pages and the space on which you can build get larger and larger. Uh, it's just chill Galaxy Trucker, which I don't necessarily think is better than Galaxy Trucker, but probably is better on certain occasions uh, because, you know, I do like games that are not chill and make you stressful and angry. So I would probably end up going to Galaxy Trucker more often, but... I was pretty impressed with Fit to Print. 
which I think is on Kickstarter right now. Finally, last thing we wanted to highlight in the expo hall area that we looked at was a game called Block and Key, which is a Tetris-y kind of game with actual like block pieces. Uh, and the, the gimmick to this game is that you're trying to assemble patterns from your point of view while everyone else has a different point of view around the square playing area. You like this one a lot, right, Lindsay? I liked this one a lot. I think that I, if, you know, if we're talking Tetris games, I would prefer, you know, one of the other games we're going to be talking about later. I'm all about the uh, making people wait in anticipation of talking about games that we're going to talk about later on. But, or um, what is it, My City? Was that the uh My the City, we, yeah. Yeah. I think that if I'm going to pick like, a Tetris style game, I was just way more impressed with My City. I don't know if you can compare them just because they share that one similar theme, but um, this one is definitely more very visually appealing, I would say, that if you put it on your coffee table, I think people would ask you questions. Yeah, it's got that like dual-layered plane surface, which mm-hmm. honestly is wholly unnecessary. It doesn't actually do anything for the game except make it look tall. Well, no, I suppose it makes it easier for you to see your vantage point because you're evaluating everything from table height and not at an up-down angle, but a side angle. So I guess it does assist the game or else you'd be bending over like to peer at your table surface from the side. Yeah, I really, I mean, I, I enjoyed it from like a, definitely from a visual perspective. I liked how, you know, you're playing Tetris, but you're playing Tetris in a different way than someone else is next to you, even though you're looking at all the same pieces, technically speaking. So I like that it's highly entertaining perspectives of that. Um, I don't think I would go back to this game necessarily, um, but just because I think there's just other more enjoyable versions of this, but I, I did, I did enjoy playing. Yeah. I wouldn't care about, I wouldn't care if I never thought about this game ever again. Like it was <laughs> unmemorable. I do think it's hampered by the fact that there's not really, at least built in, there's not really a lot of blocking. So in other words, I mean, there's blocking insofar as you're placing blocks, but there's not blocking insofar as you're trying to screw up intentionally your opponent's situation. I don't think, right? Because you hold They're your technically... you hold your goal cards in hand, right? Yeah, I mean, you can just hope, I suppose, like by playing something, if it's going to, you know, creep into the other person's territory, you presume that it probably will mess it up. But yeah, I agree with you that you don't factually know that you're messing someone up. You're just kind of guessing it. Yeah. So I think that puts a, a big damper on the game. I wish there was blocking, but then maybe that ends up being too complex. It's also possible that your goal cards aren't supposed to be in hand because we found out after our demo that we the the person demoing it i think was like subbing in last minute to that display and got a number of rules incorrect and the designer like saw that we were playing the game wrong and then clarified a couple of the rules that were incorrect so it might have been that 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 the goals were actually supposed to be public that you're working towards and then that does unlock intentional blocking but even then, that's pretty complex to try to figure out how to advance your goal while at the same time screwing up someone else's goal. But at least it would be some sort of interaction with the other players that wasn't accidental. But yeah, no, it was fine. I have no complaints about the game. I enjoyed my demo, but there are lots of perfectly fine games. So it, you got to stand out. 
if someone was playing, I would get a uh, with this again, but I would not necessarily purchase it for my. Yeah, I'm not running out and buying it. Uh, let's take a game break here and talk about one of our favorite things about PAX Unplugged, which is the food. <laughs> I've I've figured out that I think South Philadelphia has an incredible food scene. It's because you're a huge Philly cheesesteak fan, right? It has nothing to do with the cheesesteaks, <laughs> which are consistently underwhelming. I even got I didn't even get a real cheesesteak this time. One of one of my lunches I we found this pretzel place and they had like so a good. pretzel wrapped cheesesteak. Even that was underwhelming. And I think I, would I, think that was better I figured than out the why. I, had. I would say, yeah, it's better than the normal one because pretzels are delicious. But I, I think I figured it out. They don't season the steak. It's consistently undersalted. And you'd think like the cheese sauce would do that. But even the cheese sauce doesn't have enough salt, I think, to actually season the sandwich correctly. I bet if I got an average cheesesteak and just put a little bit of salt on it, that it would significantly improve. I think if you made a cheesesteak with the exact ingredients, it would be good. Oh, I bet I could. I bet you could too. But anyways, we found incredible Mexican food as always with South Philly barbacoa. Uh, but I even found a great donut shop and like breakfast sandwich shop that was super cheap. Uh, and there's all kinds of great Mexican and Asian restaurants around that area. South South Philly is has got it going on for sure. Um, and then, of course, across from the convention center is, is the Reading Terminal Market. Is that what it's called? I believe it. Right. Which is just a giant building full of food stands that are pretty legit. No, all the food was super good this year. Obviously, we always get South Philly by Wakoa. Um, which are not immediately breakfast tacos, but we always make them breakfast tacos because they're open at like 5 a.m. And as Mark has said, the lines go, you know, out the door. So we get to like, by we, I mean, Mark, I sit at home and wait for him to bring it. We were um, so but, close this time, too. I couldn't believe so how close we were. We were literally so we like, 100 feet away. Yeah, it's wild. Maybe you can see it from the front feet. door. Yeah, you got to get South Philly Barbacoa if you're ever in Philadelphia during the weekend. Uh, they're only open Saturday and Sunday from 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if you go during lunchtime, uh, the line will be long. Uh, but if you go in the morning, they have donuts and uh, sweet bread and dessert tamales, which Ooh. I almost got a whole bunch of, but then decided that I should be good. Yeah, we uh, we did, definitely we did have food. enough food. Yes. Yes, and if you get it, you'll be good for the whole weekend. Uh, if you're going to a pack yourself. Yeah, it is. It is absolute, absolutely delicious. All right, back to games. Next, we played a game called Nine Peak, which is in the was in the first look section, which I have to say was, I think, larger than I'd ever seen it. I think it increased like by like fifty percent in size from the previous years. And in First Look, there's always a section with some new Japanese games, and this was one of them. And usually, these games are actually pretty clever. I know in past years, this is where we discovered Goat and Goat, a delightful card game. Uh, we discovered Electropolis, which was a pretty fun little medium delight Euro game. Uh, and I know I've played a couple other good games here. So I just sat down at one, Actually, I sat down at one, discovered there were no English rules, 
anywhere that they had made. So like someone ran away with them or something because they always have a copy of like an translated rules. Uh, and then went to this other game called Nine Peak, which is really horribly translated, but is about hats and like gathering hats. It's weird. It's one of those games that was clearly made with a deck of cards and then they tweaked it just enough so that you can't recreate it with a deck of cards. You're basically trying to get sets of hats from your initial hand of 13 cards according to slightly convoluted scoring rules. And there's this whole grid system where as people discard certain numbers, it increases the range that those numbers can uh, count for. So if like three people have discarded ones, the ones in people's hands could be counted as a one, two, three, or four. And it just kind of flopped for us, I think. I don't know if you guys even remember this game. I, I remember. I, I didn't remember it until you explained it a little bit. I, I don't think I would play it again. I didn't like hate it. There are very few games that I actively hate. However, I don't think it had any real charm to it or anything. You know, th this reminds me of like kind of the filler games that I would play like like maybe high school with like people when we were just like killing time in study hall or something. There's nothing special about, I did kind of like the grid system, but it didn't really follow it up with anything. Like I, I, I do think, I think that mechanism is interesting. Yeah. It's a good mechanism and I, I did like it, um, but I don't feel like there was any real potential for like really clever moves or anything built into the game. You try to do something that other people aren't doing, I guess. And that's, you know, how you pull off the W. Yeah. It's also got this weird thing where you start with 13 cards, but you're basically never getting any more cards. And every turn you're discarding cards. And so given that you want to lay down big sets of cards, you kind of have to figure out. And I think this is what the punch. game is going, going for, which is you have to figure out how to when you want to trigger like not trigger but when you want to play your biggest set to try to score a big number of points and when you want to kind of push yourself to grow that set but did we if you you kind of just want to grow it as much as possible and then play it at the end it's also possible we played it incorrectly but I don't yeah think i was gonna say i thought we had after playing it we were like oh wait i think you were supposed to do it this way instead I don't remember what the rule was that we thought it that wouldn't about. have made that much of a difference, but I yeah. also don't think we played it incorrectly because if we had played it by the other way, one of the other rules would have made no sense. So okay. I think we did play it correctly, but still you're, I don't know. What I will say about this game is that um, I do not think our morning peaked with this. And if asked to play this game, instead of saying yes, I would say nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to say hats off to me on that joke, Mark? No? Okay, so um, yeah, I, I did not really like this game at all. I think when we were playing it, the scoring of everything kind of just like confused me and trying to remember if it was more, yeah, like it was clear it was more beneficial to get packs of the same kind or like many different kinds type thing. But when you had a combination of the few, to me, it was just hard to calculate. Um, exactly how many points you were getting uh, when you weren't doing something kind of relatively straightforward. So I think that was the biggest problem with it uh, was just like that kind of mental math trying to have to do if you 
don't have like a very straightforward hand. Yeah, it just it was it was unnecessarily convoluted for such a very very short game. game. Yeah, I uh, did like the concept where if you ran out of a certain, uh, I mean, essentially if you kind of like ran out of a certain number, you killed a number that that became any number. So it kind of made it a while. I thought that that was an interesting mechanic, which I I don't think I've really seen in another card game like yeah, that. I think. So. It, it was it didn't feel like they gave you enough points to make that worthwhile because there's enough time if yeah like the amount of points that you get for making a suit go out was like fairly low for the advantage you're giving to your opponents by making because if you're playing if you're discarding the cards to make that suit run out you're probably not going to have any of them left in your hand so you get what was it like a one point per card or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, hooray! You get like three points, where at the same time you're giving your opponents every card in their deck. It can, they can now play as anything, and that's probably going to be at least like three or four points per card if they're laying it down for a big set. Yeah. So I feel I, I did that. I did end up making something go out, and after the fact, I was like, oh, that was not really. A great choice like that it, it didn't didn't really profit me to do that yeah there's something there's a number of things that just felt weird about that game but uh the next game we played is actually we enjoyed quite a bit and that's cartographers Ooh, which yes i know is a fairly popular game so we're probably the last people on earth who haven't played it uh but i knew it was one of the more well-loved roll and write games or flip and write in this case and uh yeah we enjoyed it quite a bit we actually went and played it twice and Lindsay bought it i think oh yeah that's yeah. right yeah like I, you know i i, I was really set in a different game from um just being my favorite game that we played but i i think it may actually really thinking about it it may have been cartographers because i did purchase it and i i think that i'll play it the most of all of the games on the list uh like i'm bringing it this weekend to play because you can play it two-player and has a lot of flexibility with how many people you can play um yeah it just like really yeah it just ma- mapped out for me in all the right ways yeah it uh you know before before pax i had never heard of it so we really put this on the map for us <laughs> mark is Oh, there's actually a Is the sequel. podcast going south for you? I don't know. There's actually a sequel oh. uh, called Cartographer's Heroes that was released last year. <laughs> wonder what it does. All new map sheets, scoring cards. It's just all different types. Of, I think it's just more stuff for the same type of thing. Yeah, cool. It um, is tough because if they had named it Cartographer, they could have then gone Cartographer's. So, you know, missed opportunity. Or it could have done cartographer was too fast, too furious. So you know, I just feel like there's some other name options. But I think if you name it cartographer, it implies it's just a solo game. When in mm. fact you could play this game with any number of people. Mm. Whoa, Can that's true. Piece? I didn't consider that. There is practically no limit. That's true of many roll and write games. That's actually a feature huh. of that genre. That's really cool. Yeah, I really cool. didn't consider. I've that. heard of I've heard of conventions where they set up like 100, 200 person games of whatever roll and write. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to get it on like a PowerPoint or something at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have like a you have the result projected on screen. Yeah, um, you could use you an overhead also, projector. <laughs> you can also play Tiny Towns with unlimited number of people if you use the cards, because then it basically really Roland, right? Yep. Nice. What do they have enough pieces? What's that? Is there enough pieces in Tiny Towns? You'd have to have enough copies of the game for the pieces, but oh, okay, okay. But the actual play, yeah, yeah that makes sense. You could, you could play with any number of people as long as you have the equipment but yeah cartographers is good it's a roll and write you're trying to again much like my city uh you're trying to squeeze in tetris e shapes polyominoes i believe they're called uh of various types and then match certain goals it's a very nicely balanced game i think in terms of each round feels interesting um you do kind of build up over time and like your map is potentially able to score more over time, but it doesn't, it's a very soft incline. Uh, so you're, you're, you're scoring points from the very beginning. It's not like you're trying to like build up to huge combos, which I don't know, could have been interesting, but I kind of like the way they did it where you're just trying to optimize as best you can. Um, the thing that makes it work is that's monster mechanism where, the monster mm -hmm. comes out and then you have to literally give your sheet of paper to a neighbor and then they get to choose where the monster comes out and then that screws up everything. I think if it doesn't have that, I think the game falls completely flat. Yeah, no, I agree that you really need the, the sabotage. Um, yeah. And one, I will say that I took my biggest lesson from Axe for next year from this game. And what it is, is to bring pencils. <laughs> You bring a pencil. Because when we played this game, the second the first time we played this game, I think we were one of the first people to open it. So a beautifully so pencils that came in and it was lovely. The second time that we played this, we were all like like my monsters looked like uh, I don't even I'm not even sure that they classify as a type of animal in any way, shape, or form. So bring a pencil if you have these kind of things. Uh, very helpful. This is kind of not really on that point, but one of the things that I find really interesting about this game is that, like, it's definitely possible that two people end up with the same exact board because, mm. uh, like, there's no, there's nothing forcing randomness on you. But like, we never did, and I don't think we were ever even really that close. Like, I just kind of, I remember I was looking around at like the first couple rounds just to see what people were doing um, after we'd gotten like three in and already we were way different. And I thought that was just kind of really neat that like the game doesn't force it on you, but it's like, there's never a clear like, Oh, well, this is obviously, well, maybe, maybe there is once in a while, like for the very first move, but I don't think anything was like strong enough early on to say, Oh, well, this is definitely the best move that I can make so that everyone does that first move and then move two is like, Oh, well, this is the best. Like it, it was, there was enough flexibility with the four scorecards. Um, and like, there was nothing really overpowered that. And the cards themselves too, like provided options. So, you know, yeah, I really liked the ones that yeah. gave you the option of the coin and the shorter polyamino. Yeah. yeah. Like a building point and a shorter. So, even the cards having the options themselves, to your point, kind of made it so that that 
yeah. never really happen, even though the game is simple in nature and we're all trying to achieve the same goals. I do love that. We, we never the, really the, had it had a lot of interesting hard. choices, which I think is always the hallmark, hallmark of a good game. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a function of the map being very, very open and large is that you just naturally get people focusing on different parts of the map. Because that's a, that's a thing that can happen in tiny towns is where everyone kind of goes through the same pattern. And yeah. if tiny towns doesn't have the unique buildings that force people out of that, uh, I think tiny towns completely falls on its face because people just end up doing exactly the same builds. With cartographers, it's all, I think it's all balanced enough and the map is so big that you're just naturally going to have variations. And then yeah. any small variation at the beginning of the game is going to spiral out into different and different, more different and different choices later on. You, you, you also don't have the same interaction. So like tiny towns, you like you can get a positive feedback loop where, you know, if two people are going for houses or whatever, you know, they just are always doing the right color for houses. Um, whereas, you know, there's you're at completely at the will of fate um, in cartographers. Mm. There's there's no, you know, there's no de determination of what the next card will be other than, you know, how you shuffle it. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a it's a really nice roll and write. It'll always be successful in terms of being a nice 30 20 to 30 minute game you can pull out basically at any time uh which is always a nice thing to have uh and a game you can it. play with any number of people which is also very nice to have yeah out of the box too right i mean you're literally limited by the number of pencils you have and how many sheets of paper are in the pad yeah question mark when was this game created it was I'm nervous. 2019. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. The box itself looked like it could be from, you know, pre 90s. And so I was a little bit. Oh, no. The roll and write resurgence was is fairly been fairly recent. Like, other oh, than Yahtzee, you don't really have roll and writes until like 10 years ago. Not very oh, really? many, at least. Wow. Yeah. And then you kind of heated up probably five years ago it was like peak Roland Wright time, five to three years ago, maybe. I will say I wish that the kind of images you're suggested to draw on each of the tiny squares was more simple. Yeah. I Drawing that. those monster faces was uh, <laughs> was challenging. Even and like the, the trees. trees in the houses. Yeah, the trees. So, the trees. I mean, the houses you, you can so draw bad, whatever you want as long as you yeah. know what each thing is, but... Does that make me like a Scrooge? No, I that was genuinely no, okay. a little frustrating as well for me. I'm looking. You said you said there was a legacy version of this, didn't you? There is not. Oh, okay. um, I was Let's just that. looking that up. It was actually there's a legacy version of Role Player, which is by the same publishing company. Gotcha. Uh, but there is a sequel. Um, I am also looking on Board Game Geek, and there are all sorts of pictures of people who have completed. Uh, games of cartographers with very elaborate, nice drawings, uh, some in color, <laughs> some indeed in color. So they got a stack of like colored oh, pencils. Oh, colored pencils. And they're a, like that's a putting effort move. into the art, which uh, I think does mean that I'm a Scrooge. So I think, you know, people are allowed to play differently. 
we, I think we are very indeed, functional. I, I think as, as <laughs> strange as it sounds that that the ability to be artistically creative in their grid drawings might be a feature for some people. Weirdos. <laughs> I would love to have little, you know, like the, the stamps that people use for bingo, just little colored circle stamps. And you just pound the stamps down instead of drawing anything <laughs> at all in whatever relevant color. That would be a nice upgrade. For I mean, at, at that point, just get like different colored cubes. Oh, yes. It can all be solved with cubes, just like almost every game could be cubes. I'm shocked there was no disagreement to that. Cubes, cubes I mean, for three-dimensional shapes, yes, cubes are the best. I made a whole video about this. You were, well, you were channeling the, the uh, hexagons are the bestagons video, right? Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah. hexagons are the bestagons in two-dimensional space, but cubes yes, are superior right. for three dimensions. Let's move on to my favorite game that I played at the con, which was Newton, which is from, I think, 2018. It was recommended to me around that time when it was new, and I never got around to playing it. So when we were looking for a medium weight game, I saw it on the stack, pulled it out, and the recommendation was a good one. This is from uh, a couple of those Italian designers from the Italian group, you know, Tassini and Luciani and... I don't remember the other names. There's like five of them, and they they all intermingle and make form little duos and make games frequently. Uh, this one is vaguely about scientific research around the Renaissance. I don't know. It's one of those Euro games, those medium-weight Euro games that this Italian group does very well that I'm going to start calling, I think, the multi-track Euro because there's just basically like four or five different tracks you progress down and the whole game is choosing which tracks to progress down at which time to unlock certain bonuses uh which sounds boring but many of these games are very fun <laughs> i do think maybe the best one still is zulkin uh but i was very intrigued by newton as was i intrigued by golem from last year's or this year's pax east we played that at uh, which are all sort of along the same lines. Uh, I don't know. I need to investigate what makes one of these style of games enjoyable and what makes one of them not enjoyable, because I have played some that I did not enjoy. But they're all kind of the same style, and yet I enjoy many of them a lot, even though I recognize they're all kind of derivative of each other and not very thematic at all. But there's something about them. I don't know. What would you guys think? I really like this one. I think maybe the thing is like the feeling of making progress that I really liked. Because it's like at the beginning of the game, there's so many different avenues you can take. And eventually, you know, you commit to a few. Um, and it's like the the planning and the, like the strategy around when you proceed on various tracks was interesting. The losing of the, like the tucking of the cards to boost your actions, but also remove options from your deck was really interesting. So you have to like sacrifice the ability to play an action as frequently, but when you do play it, you get the action more strongly. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I just really, I really enjoyed this one. I feel like you could really sink your teeth into it and, you know, play 
many times and get a better feel for various, you know, workable strategies. Well, I think I think the game will ultimately become after you play it a few times is ultimately figuring out the best strategy by examining the initial randomizing. Because, like, almost everything about the various tracks is randomly determined. Like, all the bonuses, where the locations of everything are, the different uh, tech advancement tracks, what's contained. The the map isn't random, is it? The map is semi-random. Oh, is it? Okay, I thought it was Every Every one of those pieces within type is random. There's like three different types of pieces, so huh, you can't okay. have like a circle and a hexagon space, but all of those pieces are random. I think the skill in that game is being able to evaluate ahead of time kind of the prog- the progress you can make along various tracks and then trying to gobble up like the exclusive bonuses before other people. Yeah, I like this new game a ton. Um, <laughs> I thought this was very good. I... The apple of your eye. It was the apple of my eye. Um, I would really, I would really like to play this again um, because I think it definitely takes you playing a time to figure out like how the different. There's you know multiple different options of you know strategies that you can take. You know, like one at one point, Mark, you were like, "Oh, am I just doing every like option kind of like in the like medium?" So you know, I kind of tried to do two things really well, and I really just forgot about one part of the board so i'd be intrigued to try like different combinations of things but i yeah i really enjoyed just like the a the theme i think that that's very fun and it's not woodland creatures so that's something that to give it credit <laughs> for um unless new and really enjoyed being in the woods that i'm not aware but yeah i just like the different choices that you can make and how you could ultimately play this again quite a few times and try different things um and get different outcomes so the first time kind of test it out see what happened i kind of just picked one strategy and then tried to make sure that it paid off in a way. But, you know, next time I play, I would kind of go in with some ideas. Yeah. I think the, like choosing one, one area where you're just not going to be a force seems strong. Like just like completely sacrificing something to do better in other areas. Like that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. It does seem like this sty- this like subgenre does seem to be a reaction to the idea that people often claim they want games that have different like multiple strategic paths and so they've literally made multiple paths as the core feature of the game which in that sense feels very crude but at the same time, I know when I'm in the midst of it, trying to figure out the best way to navigate all these paths, I'm having a lot of fun. It's like a very satisfying puzzle. Figuring out Newton is is a uh, is, is an interesting puzzle. Is that another pun? <laughs> fig, fig Newtons. You also missed when I oh. emphasized force earlier because Newton is a <laughs> unit of force. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this game, was, <laughs> this game was uh, this game was put really well into motion. You know, like I <laughs> would play. <laughs> the viewers it, it will it will stay in motion. <laughs> the, the side game to this podcast is just figuring out how many puns you said because I am not keeping track anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to. I do want to try to get my hands on a copy of this and, and explore it more, and maybe do a, an article or a series of articles just on this subgenre because it's I, it's very popular. Like I think this is if someone. Sorry, I'll let you go in a minute, Ben. But I yeah. think if someone was brought into the world of medium to heavy euros in the last five years they might come away with the impression that this multi-track euro was what a euro game is and that's just not necessarily true like you know you look at the big euros of pre-2012 like Kalis has that a bit agricola you have to do everything like there are like different goals to go towards but it's not like you're picking and choosing what strategies you're just trying you have certain end goals and you're trying to figure out how to navigate your way there generally something like power grid is super focused it doesn't have like multiple strategic paths it has lots of interesting decisions within like the one focused goal like it's almost this idea is almost like taken over the mid to heavy euro game that's all i got what were you gonna say ben (laughs) I was, I was going to make a joke about how you needed to compare and contrast Newton with quantum uh, so you could settle the, the physics debate. But <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Next on the list. Your, your thing was more important to say than mine. So you. And <laughs> don't ever say it. See, the problem is, I want to get game, yeah. I want to get out of this pun zone, but the problem is, the next game's title is a pun. <laughs> the next game we played is called Picture Perfect, in which you take a picture. It's a pun, and uh, Picture Perfect is kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like Clue, actually. Yeah. A little deductiony, kinda. I think this of all of the games that we played, this one did the most with like a really not very interesting idea and made the gameplay feel really interesting. Like I, I don't think Clue is that interesting of a game, which this game basically was. But somehow, I really had a lot of fun playing this game. Yeah, I think I'm done with it, but I think I do recognize it's kind of novel. Yeah, it just reminds me of, like, in, like, fifth grade or whatever, you get those problems that are, like, Sue doesn't want to sit next to Mary, and Mary doesn't want to sit next to Joe, and Joe doesn't want to sit next to Sue. So, like, how do they all sit together at the table? Like, that, I mean, that is, is literally what this game, game is. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even a metaphor. You just described the game. But sometimes it's not possible for, like, in those problems, it always works out perfectly, whereas right. here... Um, it You're is just trying to like, minimize get, the damage. Yeah, like it is possible, like Sue could want to sit next to Terry, but Terry does not want to sit next to Sue. Um, but yeah, I think I like still like getting information and and also just the thought of like having to bid in for information, which I decided to not do. I decided to, to have as little enough as possible. <laughs> um, and so that was an interesting thing to do. But yeah, I, I don't think I need to play again. But I did really enjoy the play. Honestly, I think yeah. the game would be better if it leaned into the bidding game more. Yeah, because you didn't always bid. Um, and I think that the bidding was the game. 
Yeah, I honestly didn't really when I play a game like the main thing that I want out of that game is to win. Usually with this one, I didn't really care about that as much. And I was just kind of enjoying like the moving the little people around to stand in different places. (laughs) It was like, yeah, it was just like a pleasant experience, I guess. Let me actually explain yeah. the game for the yes, oh, please do. Okay. So you, you my, my each person, was not gonna... <laughs> yeah, each person. I mean, your explanation does get at the heart of it. But I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna prove just I'm how kidding. much it is. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So each person gets there's like a table, a little cardboard table, and then you have this like screen that blocks a pretty large screen to block people from seeing your arrangement, and then. 14 i believe different standees of various characters at a dinner party and by characters we mean everything from like normal human adults to a dog or a house plant and there are then 14 envelopes and within each of the envelopes are three randomly placed cards that have preferences for how they want to be standing for the group picture uh, so literally, like, I don't want to be next to this person, or I do want to be next to this person, or I want to be seated at the table or on the right side, or I don't want this other person's face to be in the picture. Uh, and then there's various ways you get access to these envelopes and then can arrange the people. And at the end of the game, you literally take a picture of it. And then you flip down your screen and open all the envelopes and see how you score based on your picture that you took. So it's a clever idea. The taking of the picture is so clever. That's uh, Cause fun. like That's- everyone has a phone in this day and age. Yeah. And it's so easy just like as a free marketing tool, like you force people to take a picture of the game. Like people are going to share the picture that I, I did today at work with, or maybe yesterday with like some people who are asking me like how my weekend was. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I played some games. And that was the only picture that I had taken that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's super clever. I'm actually more excited about what the concept of having, taking a picture of the game, being a core part of the game, what that opens up for other designs. Cause I think, reflecting back on this one i don't i would play again if someone had it but i think i'm kind of done with the game it's it felt like a novelty it also runs into a problem that i've never experienced before but drives some other people crazy which is that it has memory be a mechanism of the game Oh, yeah. And some people really, really dislike that. I usually don't dislike that. And usually it's people who don't like hidden victory points. They're like, well, if they're gaining the victory points in public but then hide them, uh, you should just be able to track it. I'm fine if people want to do that and then make victory points public, but I don't care that much. I like the idea of vaguely knowing how many points someone has. But this game... Like, I really, really wanted a notepad to write down what I had seen, but the game doesn't doesn't disallow that, I guess, but it doesn't say anything think, about it yeah. in the rules. And honestly, I think the game would have just been better if you could write it down. I don't know. I think it would not have been interesting. And, I didn't uh, want I mean, to put it, the that. mental kind of, effort to remember the thing. It kind of lets you do that um, in a soft way by just arranging the people on the board. Like, sure. And that's what I did. And I didn't forget anything. I just, you know, I remembered, okay, well, this, this is this group of people. This is this group of people. 
and you know i would arrange them in like a specific way if i wanted if like one person wanted to be next to somebody for people whose faces had to be hidden i would like tilt them in a different way so that i would remember that you can't have their face visible yeah like you could I, I think, make a system yeah you of, can you, yeah you can make a system that makes it easier communication to but then at that point you're just writing notes and you might as well just write notes yeah fair like I mean, I, I think memory right, was because a because if A wants to stand next to B, that doesn't mean that B wants to stand next to A. So just putting them next to each other doesn't actually give you all the information you need, because then you could then forget who's the one with the preference and who's the one that just yeah. happened to be. Or maybe it's that, you know, X person wanted to be next to a male. So I just grab a random male character and put them next to and then. I could forget later on, wow, did they want to be next to a male or did they want to be next to that specific person? And that just, I didn't enjoy, like, I felt like, man, if I if I want to play this game correctly, I just have to put in a lot of mental energy to remember. And that just doesn't feel fun. Well, that's why I have a terrible memory. Ben has a great memory. Um, so I, like, I chose to not take more information and to hoard money as a, a way to see if that paid off. did not pay off. As I said, uh, as it didn't figure. work, though. <laughs> it did not. No, it did not work. But I was curious to know if it would. And it did not. Um, but yeah, I chose not to work because I do have such a bad memory that I was like, I feel like it's just going to go haywire if I keep finding out information. <laughs> but yeah, duly noted, if you don't have all the pieces of this game, people really enjoy having nickels on their <laughs> dinner table. Yeah, there were twice we were missing pieces and uh a random nickel ben had man i actually had two nickels we only used one of them i mean (laughs) it's probably been years pre-packs since i had last touched a nickel i have been carrying those same two nickels around in my wallet probably for like a year and a half because I never use cash anymore. And I just, at some point I acquired these nickels when I had to use cash, like the one time in the last year and I've not gotten rid of them because I, I, it was a dime. And then my coworker asked me if I had a dime that I would trade for two nickels. (laughs) That's the lowest stakes transaction of all time. I have a question for you. Um, was the nickel named Philip? Was the nickel named Philip? Yes. I don't know. I that is a reference that I don't get. Okay, and was it a girl nickel? I I think it was a nickel nickel. Okay, I just you know, I just need to know. Someone will get that. that was a fairly, <laughs> Not a fairly, us. A fairly odd parents reference. Um, oh, I never okay. watched that show. I think I know what that show is, but yeah, I've never watched it. Yeah, I just don't use cash very much anymore. And if I yeah. do, I always just immediately throw all the change like in the tip jar or into the center console of my car. And also, like if you're getting change, I think nickel is probably the least used. Pennies, probably. But really, you think? Because you get pennies back from things. Yeah, I, mean, I use quarters a ton because of laundry, so... Sure. I'm well into the cash Honestly, game. I, I think we should just get rid of everything except for quarters at this point. Like, no one uses cash, and how much, like, we lose money. The Treasury loses money on both pennies and nickels now. Yeah. It costs more to make a nickel than a nickel is worth. 
I mean, baby steps. You got to start with the penny. The case for which is blindingly obvious to everyone, except for like super specific interests. Uh, it's really annoying that we haven't gotten rid of the penny uh, years and years ago. I think we got rid of the half penny when the half penny was worth like what seven cents are worth now because it was not half worth penny? it. To keep there was a half penny. Yeah. yeah. Hey, penny. I have no idea. Didn't there used called. to be a tenth of a penny? That I don't know about. I, maybe, I know there was a hey penny. Maybe not in America. Maybe Spanish because we dollars from Spanish from Spain, right? No idea. Maybe. I would believe it. Sounds right. Yeah, I think America borrowed its currency denominations from Spanish currency. Because British currency is all weird. You know, if we if we really want to stick with the coins, we should do like make one and two dollar coins popular. Like the, we, there are no two dollar coins so far as I know, but that's a great denomination to have. Like Canada has them. Yeah, the, and the loony and the, the queenie. Oh, is that what it's called? I thought it was the loony and the toonie. Oh, the toonie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Right. Like in board gaming pieces, like how often is there a one, two, and a five? Like those are, that's your, your basic building blocks for, you know, yeah. whatever denominations you need because it's so flexible. Special. I think going to the, getting rid of the penny and nickel would be nice. Anyway, if you have yeah. cash, make sure to subscribe just lying around. Make sure to uh, subscribe to Mark's Patreon. Uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, and which cash is not accepted? <laughs> it's only digital transactions. <laughs> if you, although, if you did want to like find me once a month and hand me cash, I would accept that. You could mail them. Be weird. Mail it right in the mail. <laughs> be really weird. It's usually a bad idea to mail cash, but let's move on to the next game. <laughs> You don't want to keep talking about pennies, nickels, I and cash. I forgot where any of this came from. Are we mailing it in? Uh, but I do know we're, we're we're in the home stretch here. We're almost Time done, to guys. Crash out. All right. Uh, next game is called Gang of Dice. Uh, this was a Reiner Knizia game, which, if his name's on the box, I'll always give it a try. Probably not one of his better games, but we laughed. Uh, it is a yeah. It's fun, push your luck. Yahtzee-ish kind of game where you're trying to roll dice and get the highest cumulative score on your dice without breaking a random rule that is flipped over on a card. And your currency that you're trying to accumulate are the dice. And so however many dice you commit, of which you can commit as many as you want, to the roll or how many you're putting up as stakes in the bet. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. You know, the cards might say, you know, less than 10 or by the end, or it might be like, if at any time your dice add up to something or, or contain something, then you immediately go bust. Um, so lots of push your luck stuff and, and bad luck and good luck and dramatic moments, but pretty low stakes, uh, and ultimately, nothing it's special a, it's a nice like i don't want to think too hard game yeah yeah i suppose if like you have someone who's really into um what's that awful that awful game that literally has no decisions that people do big old parties around oh oh um, oh uh, bunco i know is that what it's called it's not that sounds incredibly oh i thought you were talking about Yes, it's called Bunko. I know exactly what it's talking about. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that game. 
I so I actually like I would purchase this game. Um, it just does not exist. So which is sad. It doesn't Maybe one exist. Day. I think it's really new. It's, this was yeah, in the I, first look section, so it'll exist soon. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Bunko. So yet. or any of those like big, you know, trivial dice rolling games that literally have no decisions. Uh, here's one that's just as easy to understand that actually has some decisions. So I think that's probably its market. I think that I could take this to any party. And I've been seeing so many memes lately about like when someone explains the rules to a board game and people just like staring blankly in space trying to calculate the math. Like this is a game that I could easily explain to someone in a matter of 30 seconds or less. And to your point, it has decisions, but I think people also really enjoy rolling dice. Okay, I really enjoy rolling the dice. Everyone loves um, rolling dice. That's true. And so I think like it kind of puts those two things together. I like like push your luck games. I've also been watching a lot of poker recently. So I don't know, maybe it's just a recency bias, but I would like to purchase this. I, I um, really? did. Yeah. I, I did like love the so audacity many. of like saying, I'm going to roll six dice and get this really hard rule. Yeah, and not end up with <laughs> and then any not paying even off numbers by the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I think Lindsay did on the first turn of the game, just rolled like twice as many dice as I would have rolled, even considered. I think she rolled all nine. <laughs> yeah, I did not necessarily know what I was doing, so I did not you, know Didn't you win, though? I, I you won. The end. I won. Yeah. I did win the game, but that was a very foolish choice, and I only <laughs> did not lose because you're able to buy back dice uh, with a with a mechanism with yeah. it. Um, yeah, don't do that if you get the <laughs> but, Even though I won. Yeah, but of like relatively mindless games, like. I would, I would easily, I mean, it's not really the same type of game, but I would easily choose something like Skull for a, you know, two sure. rule game in a, at a party over this, like every time. Um, it's fine. Uh, but I don't think, I think in, in six months, I'll, well, I will have forgotten about it entirely. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Unless Lindsay buys it. Even I then. will, yeah. <laughs> There's so many better <laughs> games we could play, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, I think that it would be a game I bring to other people. I think we'd, we would choose as a group, like this group, to play something different. Yeah. And Orion, if he's there, notoriously is, you know, not a fan of, well, it's not that he's not a fan of this. Dice does, are not bad a fan of him. He's, yes. a, yeah, he's a bad dice roller. And so, you know, that can be tough as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final game, the game that made us laugh the most, and I think <laughs> is what Orion so said was his favorite of the group, or maybe his favorite. Uh, it's called Team 3. It's another party game, and it is a game in which one person can see but not speak. Another person can speak but not see. And the third person literally has their eyes closed and is receiving instructions from the person who can speak and trying to arrange various polyomino blocks in various arrangements that, again, only the person who is not allowed to speak can actually see the solution for. I think I described that correctly. It's very, very funny and fun, and we had a blast with it. Yeah, I think this one, it's like the the quadruple threat where it's fun to be in each one of the three 
positions and it's also fun just to watch oh yeah it's um, super fun just to watch yeah i i had such a good time playing this and just watching you guys play it and like see seeing the person who like has the thing get frustrated because their you know motions aren't being understood correctly or maybe they like had something reversed and they thought it was fine, but then they realize and they have to figure out how to communicate that they're not talking about the next block. <laughs> they're talking about the block you just placed and like the, yeah, it was, it, it was so much fun to be involved with this. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it operates best with three, even though like you can play with more people when people just kind of sit out and watch the other folks, but, yeah, I, I still, like you said, Ben, really enjoy just being a viewer. Like, just watching everyone put all the pieces together and someone, yeah, not being able to see and, like, potentially almost, like, knocking over the tower because you're just starting, like, well, there's together. Like, that was really fun. And then the person trying to, like, interpret hand motions when he's trying to describe these, like, complex shapes. And then there's different levels as well. So we tried to kind of crank it up to level three pretty quickly. And it just changed so many things that uh, it was just really funny. So we've done level one and level two, but we got to work our way up to, to level three. I'm, I'm looking it up here, and there are actually two different versions of the game. One is Team oh. 3 Green, and the other one is Team 3 Pink. And apparently they're identical except for, like, they have the same pieces, but they have different blueprints and separate mini expansions, which is a very bizarre way to release a game, is to release two different versions, and the main difference is each one has its own little mini expansion. That is strange. It, it well, I, I'm not seeing anything... like You would assume if that was their, their strategy that there would be some kind of combo game if you get both, but I'm not seeing anything about that here. Well, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I would really recommend this to virtually anyone. Like, I, I think that almost anyone would enjoy this. Like, I do not know who would, who would not. Um, I think, like, yeah, uh, kids would enjoy it. I can think of a it. couple like, people I know who would not like this game. <laughs> it, is it is really it is stressful. Yeah, 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 it is stressful. But it's not the level of stressful as, like, Stay Cool or even, like, Galaxy Trucker or maybe on par with, like, Pictomania. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's similar. I don't think it's as stressful to stay cool, certainly. Yeah, no. definitely not. But yeah, one of my favorites for sure, and uh, Ben got it, so I'm really excited to, to play yes. it again. Oh, you I did, laughed you did so much. I did, yeah. Which one did you get, green or pink? I got green. Ah. I think oh. I got green. I, I've, I've got it in the other room right now, so I, I, I'm i 90% sure I got green. Apparently, green features a five-player mode. Ooh, interesting. Oh. And Actually, the, I... The pink mini expansion has 3D blueprints instead of 2D blueprints. Oh. So, I don't know which one of those is better, but... Can can confirm I got green. There you go. I uh, have. So, yeah, for... I think green was also fun, the one that we played. I think it was. Yeah, really fun party game. Just a blast. I feel like any party game with that limits your ability to communicate is almost foolproof. Like almost all of the best party games 
are about limiting communication. And I know we've did a whole episode on this, but it just proves itself over and over again that like it's really, really funny if two people need desperately to communicate something to each other, but some arbitrary rule of the game makes that very difficult. Like just yeah. that's just a recipe for Mysterium. Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Mysterium's that way. Pictomania's that way. Um what other like any of the like uh passwordy even, party games, so code names obviously stay cool is a little bit of the time. Stay cool is kinda like that. Um but any of those any any code names variant uh or the real time ones like taboo style games or what's the monikers is I guess the one popular now where you're trying to have someone guess a word by giving them clues. Uh, but you can't say specific words. They're all about trying to communicate clearly, but not being able to. It's just like, it's just a really good style of game. Yeah. Team three is great. I got really competitive with it. Like I really, really, (laughs) really wanted to establish like a system of communication. Honestly, I like like, lay down some ground rules. Like, okay, here's what these, these certain gestures mean. So we could beat the hard levels. I think it's almost, I guess, yeah, for the hard levels, you need to do that. I almost, this is one of those games that I would almost rather just always play with people who have never played before, just because like the exploration and fumbling around trying to, you know, get that first couple of rounds under your belt is so much fun. Like there are some games that just the first time, it, like w- once you develop a meta, like you're kind of a slave to the meta. It's the Hanabi um, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Although I think if you have sufficiently complex blueprints, then you can overcome that. Um, oh, this is also similar to the game we played over Thanksgiving. Keep talking and nobody explodes. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this game can overcome the Hanabi problem by just having it be complex enough. And then you're just testing your skills. Although, peak team three experience might be bringing it to a party and teaching people at the party for the first time and just observing oh, might I would be just the most fun you could have with the play. game oh absolutely it's so fun. even just showing videos to people they can get so so fun so and if it's just like mysteriously missing from your house i have absolutely no idea what happened to it yeah i think i'm going to declare team three my number two game from Pac- yeah, it, it was it was so good, and I I'm I think I like definitely looking forward to playing it. I think Newton, yeah, is I think still probably number one. I'll actually I'll give Newton and Team Three a tie at number one. Nice, and then cartographers, and maybe fit to print at number tie for number three. And then ben, what's yours? Everything else is. I think worse. yeah, Team Three was my favorite. Probably I would put Newton and cartographers kind of around this, maybe a, maybe a slight edge to cartographers. I did like Newton. I, I just, I, I have kind of a soft spot for games that go really quickly. That's the other thing about this game. Like the rounds are three minutes long. It does not like, even if you have like a really bad round, it doesn't last long enough for you to get frustrated or like miserable about it. it it's just over so quickly. I will say you can avoid miserable. I don't think you can avoid frustrated. <laughs> I say the, from the frust- personal the frustration experience. the frustration doesn't last long enough. Yes. To become to the point that you will get miserable. Yes. Yeah. It, it's it's three minutes and you're done. 
Um, which, you know, that's, that's perfect for me. Yeah. I think I'm having a hard time because I'm a photographer. So I want to instinctively say that that's my number one, but team three is so close because I really actively do want to play it again. Um, so, <laughs> so I would say I thought of that, like, on a very similar level, but I'm going to go slide up to the photographers. I think Newton was right there below that. I'm going to say food was the was number four, and then I'm going to say Gang of Guys is below that. Well, you put you you ranked food. It is. Um, <laughs> you had it in your notes. <laughs> we didn't also include that we watched like a whole season of Alone, oh, so like so we good. have to yeah. we have to consider that a factor of our experience. But um, I think that that's how my my list is gonna go. I would put Alone. <laughs> on the same tier as Gang of Dice. <laughs> I give it a hard call. It was a good. It was a. It was a perfectly acceptable use of time, but ultimately That's forgettable. What people say when they hang out with me. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts from Pax Unplugged? It's a really good. To, like honestly, the the team threes are the thing that I really like about going to these conventions, because that's not something I'd ever heard anything about. And the only reason we grabbed it is because we walked by a table or I think like people were sitting next to us and playing it. And we were looking over like, Ooh, that looks like a really fun game. Like I had, had you heard of this before at all, Mark? Nope. Yeah. Like, you know, just kind of walking around and seeing what's out there is, you know, that that's the whole reason you do these conventions, at least in my book. That's how we found Picture Perfect, too. Someone was just randomly playing it, and so picked that up. And then, I guess, even the same thing kind of first look. I think the only thing is a little disappointed. We were never able to snag a table for Terra Nova. Yeah. Um, the short version nice. of Terra Mystica. So do you still want to play with it sometime? But it was just a bump in everyone. It was the hot, to, hot truck game there. But, yeah, I just really enjoyed playing all these games, like Ben said. I like just getting to go and, and try new things or see a game that someone else is playing and kind of add a new one to the collection so yeah really just enjoyed playing every single thing that we did even nine peak is still enjoyable no that game was not enjoyable Um, (laughs) i think usually most years i would have been disappointed by basically playing only one heavy-ish game but this time i was cool with it am i maturing am i getting more boring am i getting crankier one of those game reviewers (laughs) who just stops playing medium to heavy games just because it's easier and more convenient to play lighter games. I don't know. Although I mean, my, I my think my next review is going to be of a heavy game. So maybe not. Yeah. The, the heavy <laughs> games, I just, it's hard to do them at PAX because there's, you know, all the opportunity costs. You have so many, you can play like three light games in the time that it takes you to play one heavy game. That's true. Um, literally anytime. Yeah, but with PAX, you have access to so many more games. Mm. So th- there's a lot more, you know, if, we, if we're if we playing something at your house, at this point, we probably played most of the light games. And there's, of all the games left, my assumption is that most of them are at least a two-hour commitment, if not more. Um, yeah, most. So, you know, we will always have those available to us. But here, there were so many light games that you know we may or may not ever get the chance to play again yeah yeah i know ben and i also sometimes like we didn't do this this year but i think we got more of you mark this which was which was really nice but 
Yeah. Um, uh, maybe next year I look forward to. Um, one year we got like a secret Hitler game going of like, all, like just a bunch of random people that we've we never met. We, we need to do that again. That, that was awesome. really fun. Yeah, I love those kinds of games. Um, and it's just nice to get like a large group of people, which is you know easier to do there because everyone there likes board games, so you can definitely get tickets. Um, but yeah, overall, just like really enjoyed my time playing games, good food, good people. Would do it again, and will do it again. For sure, yeah. Uh, it'll be exciting. But next conventions, for me at least, will be PAX East and before that, uh, Granite Game Summit, which is my favorite local convention. That'll be super fun. But anyways, that's PAX Unplugged, and hopefully it won't be six months until the next podcast. I'll make sure of it. I'll make sure I'm going to seek out some more podcast episode ideas. Five months and three weeks. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, you can find everything I do at thethoughtfulgamer.com. Uh, you can find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash thethoughtfulgamer. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.